Hi, and welcome to episode 335 of No Crying in Baseball, the New Year's Rockin' Eve episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Potty Mouth is getting down. How are you? I am ready. We are pre-gaming for New Year's Eve party. You know, no, no better time to start than the actual present with a little bit of beer. We have some cocktails ready to go later, some 80s Trivial Pursuit as tradition stands in this I refer household. to that as the death march. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we are coerced into playing 80s yep. Trivial Pursuit, whether we want to or not. But right. that's okay because our hosts like it and we like our hosts. There, there that would be go. potty mouth. It, it'll be fun, really, really. And there's, you know, at least I'm not for- forcing you to watch Boston sports because <laughs> there's lots of, there was like one after another I today. would watch Boston sports over, over playing trivial. 80s trivial pursuit wow, or any trivial pursuit. says a lot. I would. Although there's I like sports. There's you know, the if you sports. met me, I like sports. <laughs> right. Right. And then there's the sports and leisure section of tri- 80s trivial pursuit, which, you know, probably Celtics. has something about, hey, the Celtics. It's That was so, like, a good time. So just to be clear, I, it's not the watching sports because it's Boston. It's mm. watching sports because it's sports. And okay, I'll watch right. Boston. Sure, it's fine. Right. And it's there's fine. a big screen downstairs. Yeah. And it's, I think the Celtics are on actually right now. The Celtics are on your head right now. Yes, they are. I'm feeling I'm I'm big into basketball now. <laughs> this is like my my bandwagon uh, time when a Boston team is doing well, and I have not known the names of all five Celtics starters since the 1980s, I believe. And I, well, I hope that comes up <laughs> on your sports and leisure, and you're on my team. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if you press me if I'd be able to do it. it was Bird, Parrish, Ainge, um, uh, the tiny Archibald, uh, Bird, Parrish, Ainge, tiny Archibald, um, and Robert Parrish. Wait, no, I got that. Ah, shit. I, I can't count to five. I It's going to come before the end of the episode, I okay. swear. All right. But All right. they're, we, we they're can, doing we can, well. We can FaceTime your dad. We can call, we can call a friend. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, you know... Sports, other like I can we complain about baseball prices, um, especially in certain stadiums in Fenway, but basketball and hockey are crazy, yes. like crazy. This is why we always sit in the cheap seats for Caps games, and I love the cheap seats. I'm fine with that, but that's also the only thing I can afford. Yeah, and they're not even that cheap, which actually reminds me, we got to pay buy those Bruins Caps tickets because we get the teacher discount for that. So those so will my actually, best friends are teachers. <laughs> those will actually be like within the realm of cheap. All right, but basketball yeah. the the Celtics are going to be at the Wizards March 17th. Isn't that St. Patrick's Day? It is. So that's perfect for doing the green. But tickets are crazy. Like hundreds of dollars, like 100 plus for the the nosebleeds. And then anything under the nosebleeds is 200 plus. What how many people pay that kind of money? All of them. Holy They're going to sell out. Yeah. Because, you know, the Celtics on St. Patrick's Day. Right. And all you Boston people live here, too. Oh, so. God. Well, what I'm going to try to do, if you can remind me, is to check StubHub closer. Like, I'm feeling like maybe there'll be a Boston fan who just has to bail at the last minute and sell their tickets. I don't know. Is that a bad plan? Should I just... Well, it depends it if you up. want to be sure of tickets or you yeah. want to, like, be able to afford tickets. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we yeah. will debate for a while. But not on the show anymore. No, no, not no, on the show. We're, we're going to talk about baseball now, are I we? think. Great. How All about right. that? Sure. Okay. On today's show, we are retiring, we're unretiring, and we've got a pitching change. We've got boyfriends for the Guardians and for the Pirates. Our police blotter includes a missing wander, the wrong Frank Thomas, and the luxury tax. And then winter balls heading to the finals. Cheers. Cheers. That's fun. You got me nervous there. We are not actually retiring. I mean, I know we'll hear about all this in, in a minute, but... Just so you all know, yours truly, us will not be retiring from this podcast. We are. Oh, for the, so looking yeah, like, you know, to, I'm thinking I'm looking forward to retiring from my day job. That's yeah. been a long time coming, and that means I could spend more time doing baseball. Yeah, 
That, that's my life goal, really. Yeah. Well, that and independent wealth. I don't know how I'm going to get there from here, but I can see doing more baseball. I had lottery tickets, 50-50. The 50-50 at the T-Birds, right? You know, I won that, my... I oh, know, those are just raffles. I won my traditional $5 mm-hmm. at the um, the holiday... At the holidays at my in-laws, my, my, my father-in-law always does the scratch-offs. And I oh. always win either 2 or $5 for gas money. Sweet. And I won $5, but I donated it to my brother-in-law who just had to do a big sewer repair. I'm like, okay, you need this more than I do. Oh, wow. And also, we were driving the hybrid, so we didn't need it as much. Uh, so it went down yep. the sewer. Yep. There we go. All right. Hey, I get to talk about the Red Sox this week. <laughs> so, Shocking. This is Shocking. So this is a little bit, and I'm still a little confused, and I kind of feel like, be careful what you ask for, because I've been whining. You all might have noticed. I've been whining for the Red Sox to do something to be better for next year. And I was all excited about Craig Breslow being the GM and being a former Red Sox pitcher, thinking that he would be prioritizing pitching and something exciting will happen. Well, you know, it's one thing that I that I saw actually was like, this shows that he's actually pretty good at staying quiet and not leaking because the Lucas Giolito thing, what there was a little bit of hinting around that, but there's been so much more rumor about things like Tasker Hernandez or maybe Jordan Montgomery or whoever. And so Giolito kind of just happened, this two-year, $35.5 million deal with an opt-out after the first year. And I kind of went, Okay, so like looking back in Giolito's stats, he's had some really good years. And then last year, I'm going to chalk it up to the being bopped around, right? So I think, you know, knowing that he was going to be a free agent, being with the White Sox, they could do something with him, you know, during the season. So he went to the Angels and then he ended up in Cleveland and his ERA climbed, you know, to sort of dangerous levels with each trade. And he um, has the prestigious stat of being the first pitcher since 1899 to allow eight or more runs in a game for three different teams in a season. How can you not be excited about welcoming someone who has such historic stats to your your favorite team? Yeah, very excited about this. So he also did throw that no-hitter. I didn't write this down. I think it was 2020 when he threw a no-hitter. And he was, you know... Very good with the White Sox for a while, as was another pitcher that we that the Red Sox got from the White Sox, who we'll talk about in a minute, Chris Sale. I didn't know that when I was looking back into this, that Giolito actually started with the Nationals for a hot minute. Yeah. He was there in 2016. Yes. We, we were at those games. We saw him. I don't, 2016, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't remember. But I do remember Adam Eaton, and that's who he mm-hmm. got traded for. Yep. So that stuck in my mind a little bit more. Anyway, he he did really well in 2017 with the White Sox. I'm hoping that this new um, Breslow plus getting Andrew Bailey in as a pitching coach is going to be good for pitchers and that they're going to be able to find the good out of Giolito. And I'm hoping that it's better to have Giolito than it would have been to keep Chris Sale, which is the other big move I that think the Red Sox did. I, I feel good about that. I, I feel too. fairly confident that that's the case. Yeah. I mean, Chris Sale, I feel I feel torn because, yes, he won. You know, he was there for two really important years with the Red Sox, 17 and 18, when he was healthy, and 18, you know, winning the World Series and being a huge part of that and getting that stellar, oh, my God, the last out of that World Series with him pitching to Manny Machado and the Dodgers and Manny going down on one knee and then Christian Vasquez running out and jumping on Chris Sale. And I thought, oh, my God, he's going to break him because, you know. Because he's a matchstick. Yeah, yes. <laughs> totally. And that I th- and then he's been injured since then, pretty much. And he knows that he 
owes it to Fenway fans. And he said stuff like last year, like, I will basically do anything to help the game, knowing that maybe that meant going in for relief, which they never did with him. But, you know, kind of coming down a little bit, realizing that he has not lived up to his end of the deal since the the World Series. And it's been through a lot of injuries. And I'm wondering about that matchstick physique being difficult for bouncing back from injuries. Well, especially if you do things like fall off your bicycle. But, you know, there's <laughs> there's there's injuries and then there's injuries. So the exciting part of the Chris Sale trade is that we get Von Grissom, who was my Atlanta choice for a boyfriend last year, and I was sure that he was going to be Atlanta's starting shortstop last year because they had lost um, Dansby Swanson. And they had this sort of three-way thing going for who is going to be shortstop and spring training. And Arcia had not been that good the year before. So I thought, all right, the new guy's going to come in. Well, Arcia totally took off. I mean, he had a stellar year. So he's locked in there. Ozzy Albies is locked in at second base. So there's basically nowhere for Grissom to go in Atlanta. So this is a win-win situation. Chris Sale, you know, I don't know. Maybe he'll like a change of scenery. He's still young enough. I, I forget how old he is, 30-something. Um, but he he should have some time in him, and maybe he'll come back in uh, in Atlanta. Uh, Von Grissom, not only do uh, I appreciate him for, for his stats, but also for his personality. And this is like, you know, the potty mouth pick with the, uh, with the baseball boyfriend. He's a goofy guy. He's the guy who likes to joke around in the clubhouse, keeps it light, keeps it fun. And the Red Sox really need that energy. Also, his, uh, his debut at Fenway, August 22nd at Fenway Park, he went two for four with a first pitch in the seventh inning, two-run home run over the green monster. And he also had a steal in that game. His family was on the stands. And that, be- that made him to be the youngest player in NL or AL history to homer and steal during his debut at Fenway Park is like the extra like you know cherry on the ice cream sundae for me so i'm pretty excited about this the sad part though is your your pick last year michael harris the second they were buddies so they yeah. gotta you know they gotta split up and stuff like that happens. Break it up the band. yeah yeah i'm excited though all right all right so um shortstop andleton simmons has announced his retirement and i'm talking about that instead of potty mouth even though Potty is um, he's Potty Mouth's boyfriend from years and years ago, but yeah. I have used him a couple times in relation to trivia questions because Curacao, <laughs> my friends, yeah. so we'll probably bring him up again sometime either here at a Thunderbolts game in the future mm-hmm. when I try to work the word Curacao into a trivia Ooh. question. Uh, he's 34. He played 11 seasons, four gold gloves. Yeah. That's pretty darn good. He was drafted by Atlanta. He played for the Angels for Minnesota and for the Cubs. He didn't play last season. So best wishes on whatever you do next, sir. Well, you know what he's involved with is Baseball United, that he played oh. in that all-star game with in Dubai. So who right. knows if he's going to be hanging more in Dubai and getting some money there. But yeah, look at Anderson Simmons' defensive highlights. Yeah. Oh, my God. Some amazing stuff. As far as unretiring, our pal, <laughs> Dusty Baker, who, you know— managed the Giants from 93 to 2002. He has, you know, since he managed the Nationals, he managed the Astros, and then he just retired. And now on a radio show in San Francisco, he mentioned that he has been chatting 
and talks with, like air quotes, talks with, nothing formal, with the, um, with the CEO of the San Francisco Giants about there possibly being a role for him and didn't really say what that role might be. Huh. It could be anything. But then he went on to talk about their Triple A team. Dusty lives in Sacramento. And the Triple A team for the Giants, the Rivercats, are in Sacramento. So there might be something there. He said, they do have a team here in Sacramento where I am, the Rivercats team. We'll see if we can work things out family-wise and time-wise and all kinds of ways. Like I said, we're just having preliminary talks. We'll see how things work out. Now, if you remember, Dusty's son, Darren, is in the Nationals minor league system right now. And when he retired from the Astros, he talked about wanting to be able to hang with Darren more and see him play more. So that if, if that is the case, he mm-hmm. may not be taking on a, a major role that's going to require him to be, you know, in one place. But who knows? Because they're just preliminary talks. He's just having a chat. Sure. That yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. I would love to see Dusty just doing some some mellow stuff, you know? Like, he is, he's been working a very long time. He deserves something that's just a little bit more chill. That keeps him in the baseball world because he is wise. Yeah. And we'd like him around. Sure. All right, we're going to talk about those baseball boyfriends, uh, the guys that we pick in the offseason because they are super cool, at least to us. We each pick one guy per team per season, except for one holdover who is extra super special. And we pick them because, well, we'll tell you why. You know, there's there's something about each guy that kind of clicks with us. And it, it may or may not be, as uh, as Patty pointed out to me, that the, fa- the fact that your, your guy's actually going to play because my uh, <laughs> Cleveland pick is a little iffy. Talking about iffy picks, though, in 2022, I picked Esteban Floreal for the Yankees, who also never played. Um, and he is now going to be playing, maybe, actually on the field with Cleveland. He, they got him um, right after Christmas, the 26th, on a trade. I don't know who went to the Yankees, but feel bad for that person. Oh, anyway. a pitcher. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully, <laughs> no, I don't want to wish poorly on anybody. I want to wish well for Esteban Floreal. I'm happy that he's on a happy team, and I'm hoping that he's going to be playing because Floreal is an outfielder. Yes. So my guy that I'm picking, I really need a first baseman. I really hope that Kyle Manzardo, Manzardo I keep wanting to say that with a Boston accent, Manzardo, because uh, Jerry Remy, there, there used to be a pitcher, Bizzardo, but Bizzardo, Bizzardo, who just cracked me up whenever Remy announced him. Anyway, Kyle Manzardo. Oh, man, I can't lose you it now. You can't do it, can you? Yeah. <laughs> First, you were just in Boston. I mean, it was fresh. It's totally. I was, we were just talking to Dad, too. Like, hi, Dad. Um, 23 years old. He, in 2021, so he's a baby, second round pick out of Washington State for the Tampa Bay Rays. And he was, and this is why I'm thinking actually that they're going to get him on the field this year, because he was traded to Cleveland last year, midseason, for Aaron Savali, one to one, which is crazy because at that point, Savali was the best pitcher that Cleveland had because both um, Bieber and McKenzie were injured. And Savali was doing really well. He had like a two-something ERA, which unfortunately I didn't write down. But folks, look it up. Trust me. And at the time, Cleveland fans were like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, it, it was basically saying like, this season isn't going to be going too far. But looking at Manzardo being a second round pick and all he, you know, theoretically had behind him is what they were bak- banking on. Um, at the time is when they also got uh, uh, Thor, what's his real name? Um, uh, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, Syndergaard, who did not pan out another old guy pitcher who just, you know, 
things things sometimes don't work out well. But also Manzardo, they didn't bring up at all last year, despite the that trade midseason. Who knows why? Like partly because he's still a minor league player. He hasn't debuted yet. But also he had a dislocated shoulder last season, which really affected his numbers in 23. So if you're looking at his past numbers, 21 and 22 in the minors, you know, only going up to to double A at that point, he was raking. 349 and 21 in the, the Florida Coast League and double A and single A, 323 average in 2022. And last year was just a tough year for him in a lot of ways, which I'll go into. But he's currently considered the number two prospect for the Guardians. So I am crossing fingers, despite him not being technically on the 40 men, that he's going to make opening days somehow, that he's going to get a spring training invite, and we'll see what happens. I like uh, family guys, guys who are especially guys who are close with their parents, which Kyle is. His dad coached him from Little League through high school. His dad played up to the college level um, and then, you know, went on to do other things. And he credits his dad for his simple and strong approach at the plate. And his college coach said that he practices like a coach's son, which is every day with all his effort, and that he loves the game. He loves talking about it, which makes him a good baseball boyfriend for me because I'd be, you know, love to hang out with somebody who loves talking about the game. And he puts in the work on the fundamentals. And at this point, he's young. He's just got to work on his strength and keep getting stronger so that he has more power. But he has excellent plate discipline. Now the, um, and shoot, I meant to look up. I I wish I could remember what I already said on our podcast. But (laughs) I feel like I have this theme of remembering that these guys are human beings and that you know the their performance on the field is going to be influenced by what's going on in their lives and their lives are like anybody else's lives with you know high points and low points and Kyle's going through a lot his mom Wendy is ironically a cardiac nurse and she was diagnosed in November 2021 with cardiac sarcoidosis which is a rare autoimmune disease and it has her in need of a heart transplant. Oh, wow. And I was trying to look, and everything that I saw was, there was um, some some articles that I saw from when he first got traded to Cleveland and then some others from when he was in Tampa that were talking about this. But I couldn't find anything like now within the past month or so. So I'm super curious and hoping that his mom is doing okay. Last year, and I don't know what Kyle's doing now, but last year he lived at home during the off season to spend more time with his mom. And uh, after workouts, he would just go back home. And he talked about how during the season, he made a point to FaceTime, to call, to text when he can. So I'm not totally sure what's going on now, hoping for the best. His parents live in Idaho. And the hard thing about that, Idaho is not really near a lot as far as Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's closer to Cleveland than it is to Tampa. But practically, if you're talking about Somebody in need of a heart transplant getting to a ballpark, it's not going to happen. She can't, you know, she's not going to be able to be there for for opening day. Hopefully, dad can do it. The, um, the hopeful part, and another reason why I'm hoping that Kyle makes it, other than I really need a first baseman at the, this point for my fantasy league, is that he lit it up in the Arizona Fall League. And this kind of was a little uh, wake up to me that I need to pay more attention in September when the Fall League's going on. 22 games, he batted a 272 average with a 905 OPS, 19 RBI, and his six homers were tied for third. Um, out of all players in the fall league. He made the all-star team 
and got two RBI to help the American League win that All-Star game, uh, both a sacrifice fly and a 433-foot home run. He also participated in the Home Run Derby, which looks like it was just a total, like, bomb fest because there was a four-way tie after the first and second rounds that forced them into a one-minute swing-off tiebreaker. Can you imagine? Like, you get a minute, and he did not make the most of his minute, but, you know, he was still up there. Um, Keith Law in The Athletic had a scouting report on him and said that when he went and observed him in a game that he hit a 460-460-foot home run. That's a lot of feet. Yeah. That's like all the feet. (laughs) So many feet. For a guy, you know, for a young guy in Arizona, I guess the air is, is... light in Arizona, right? Because it's dry. baby. Yeah. All right. So I'm hoping that now that Josh Bell isn't on first base, they're talking about, you know, somebody is going to have to um, platoon with Josh Naylor who could do some DHing. And I know that anybody can DH, but maybe it's time for Josh to DH and Kyle to hang out on first. So all right. I'm, I'm hoping for Kyle. All right. Well, the um, the Florial thing might be messing up my guy a little bit because that's bringing in another Uh-oh. outfielder. I'm picking Will Brennan, a 25 year old right fielder for the Guardians. I know there was a rumor I was going to go for Bo, and I'm, mm-hmm. maybe that's next year because I've already picked a boatload of catchers, and I've got Adley as my once and forever boyfriend. So I need to like not. That's weird. That means there's a lot of young catchers this year because I also have a boatload of catchers, there are, there which are is catchers. unusual. Well, you know, I had Max Stassi, who's not a young catcher. There but- you go. But there you have it. Anyway, so Will Brennan, he was born in Colorado Springs, but he grew up in Stillwell, Kansas. And this is important because he spent a lot of time um, watching games at Kauffman Stadium. So that was like his, you know, his hometown team stadium that comes in later. Uh He's got a sister who's a big sister who's in the Navy. And this is kind of cool because during Navy week, she recorded a message from Pearl Harbor where she was stationed. And it was on the big video board uh, wishing her little brother, the outfielder, good luck. It was, you know, go Guardians and go Navy. So that was pretty cool. He was surprised. It was pretty fun. Anyway, his dad has a really cool job. His dad, Dan, is the general manager of the U.S. Paralympic sled hockey team based out of Colorado Springs. Sled hockey? Can you explain that to me? Well, it's it's, it's Paralympic, so it's, 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 oh. that's the adaptive um, equipment. Oh, that's so cool. Right? And that the U.S. team has won gold in four straight games since 2010. So they're really, so good. really good. So, you know, he's got... There's got a coach in the family. I think his, I feel like his sister was an was an athlete at Navy too, but I can't remember what that was. Okay, you're gonna like this this thread that I'm gonna tell you about Will Brennan. When he was in elementary school, like seven or eight years old, he went to a game at Kaufman to see the Red Sox play the Royals. Hey. Gets better after the game. He had. Tito Francona signed a baseball for him, oh, which wow. he was very gracious about. But then he pressed his luck. And he asked Tito if he could help him also get Dustin Pedroia's autograph, which I know you'll appreciate and I appreciate. Tito was not happy about it and (laughs) apparently was a little snippy about it and didn't happen, right? Mm. But that's okay. That's okay because this comes around again (laughs) later. All right. In 2019, he was drafted in the eighth round by Cleveland out of Kansas State, right? So he played in college at at Kansas State. And you know how you see these draft day videos of like the players sitting with, you know, their girlfriends and their buddies and like their entire extended family in the whole neighborhood. And there's like 47 people in the living room. Mm -hmm. These are the guys that are going to get drafted in the first round or maybe the second round. If you're going to get drafted maybe in the eighth round, you're sitting on the sofa next to your mom 
watching house flipping shows on HGTV with your iPad on the sofa next to you just in case something happens. That's a, that's a scene. So anyhow, that's that's actually what happened to Will. I, I don't know that if he knows yet how that episode ends <laughs> because he had to stop it halfway through because he got the call, the eighth round. That's so good. To Cleveland. Anyway, his call-up happened in... You know, and it was a September call-up. It was like very end, like one week left in the season. It's like September twenty twenty-first in 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 twenty twenty-two. He was playing AAA. Had been playing AAA. He didn't have Andy Tracy, who was the manager of Columbus, the AAA team, saved in his phone. So he had an oh, incoming no. call at one in the morning Holy shit. on a Wednesday morning from a from a Tiffany Tracy who, I don't know if he remembered ahead of time or not, is actually Andy Tracy's wife's name. So the joke <laughs> later is she must be the one who pays the bill. Yeah, because great. if it's going to be like a default, it's, it's, that's who it okay. is. So Tiffany Tracy called him at 1 a.m. on a Wednesday. And his manager said, so wait, are, are you out right now? Are you like, you know, out party? He's like, no, I'm in bed. We got, I got a game tomorrow. Good he's guy. Like, he's like, well, good, because you're meeting the team in Chicago Oof. later you know, later today. And wow. you got to help them win. Hangs with the phone. And before he can even start like making the phone calls, he gets a text from Terry Francona in all lowercase, <laughs> because that's Terry Francona, mm. letting him know that he'll be the starting right fielder wow. that night. Right? Pretty, pretty cool. Did he say, remember me? They talked later. <laughs> they had a little chat later. And uh, Francona actually laughed about it and said, yeah, those stinking kids did that a lot. <laughs> Which seemed right. Anyway, so he was able to, like from one in the morning till game time on Wednesday, That's was able awesome. to get like a handful of family members and two of his college coaches from from Kansas um, wow. to get to Chicago for his for his debut. And he said he could hear them cheering for him, but he couldn't find them in the stands. He had no idea where they were. It was like a Where's Waldo thing. He's like, yeah. they're here. I hear them. I don't know where the heck they are. Anyway, his second at bat at his debut, he got his first hit which was an RBI single up the middle. So it was his first wow. hit, his first run batted in. And then Francona said, it is special. I had to remind myself for a minute because he got that first hit and I heard some people going crazy. <laughs> and I looked back and I never look, right? And it had to be his mom and dad. I remember thinking, okay, take a minute here and appreciate this. That's pretty cool. So Will singled again later in the game. He was the the 16th rookie to debut for Cleveland that season. That was an enormous wow. number of rookie debuts that season. That's he was crazy. the last one, you know, far, far into September. There were a lot of comparisons to his his style of play to Stephen Kwan, who we're, we're big fans of and Potty Mouth's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Kwan apparently volunteered to be the one to show him around, uh-huh. even though he was like just a rookie, like, you know, barely from the beginning of the season. He was, but he was a, you know, a veteran rookie. Can we say that? <laughs> right. So Brennan said, that's my hero. Oh. And Corin said, he's being a little dramatic <laughs> with that. <laughs> but they appeared to be pals. He did make the playoff roster, even though he just came up September 21st, wow. which was pretty cool. All right. So this past year, May 2023, they're playing at the White Sox. He hits a ground ball single, takes out a bird. Oh, no. That's standing on the field. Do you remember that we talked about Zach Gallen, you know, doing a warm-up pitch and knocking right. out a, a bird in flight? Bird well, issues. the, the yeah. New York Post called it the second MLB bird tragedy in as many weeks. Oh. Oh. So, yeah. So, so they had to, you know, remove the bird. It involved a shovel. But regardless, he did post an apology like to, to PETA and bird lovers. I, I'm so sorry. And, you know, it was it was something about it. It was an unintentional sacrifice, whatever, sacrifice. Yeah. But the next day, he hit a home run off of Dylan Cease, and he dedicated it to the bird. And he said, <laughs> RIP, little buddy. 
Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, he grew up going to games at Kauffman. And so in June 2023 was his first chance to come back to Kauffman Stadium as, in front of his hometown oh. crowd, right? Because this is where he grew up. So he had 50 people there. Yeah. He went three for four, including the game-winning double. Wow. And it was the whole dream come true thing, your home stadium where you grew up going to games and you are you hit the winning, you know, the, you have the winning that's hit. Awesome. And that's pretty cool. On his Instagram, there is a link to a nonprofit called Gotta Have Hope, which is, which stands for the hope is healthcare opportunity potential education, and oh. it supports families in rural Uganda. Interesting. There's nothing that says why it's there. I couldn't find huh. any connection, but he has it as part of his, you know, his Instagram bio. I imagine that's important to him, and I hope that is. That's pretty cool. But there was no actual why there. Maybe he's just a good guy in general. But I'm looking forward. I, I, I saw him play uh, several games because, you know, I with uh, did one of my teams, you know, it's one of my American League teams, and he's pretty fun to watch. So I'm looking forward to watching him some more this year. Sure. Where there's a will, there's a way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go to Pittsburgh, which last week Patty pointed out is almost like Cleveland. But it's, it's sort of like it's, it's Rust Belt Boyfriend Week. All right. Rust Belt Boyfriends. All right. I am going to. I've had a few Rust Belt Boyfriends as of someone who grew up in Ohio. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't. I have not. Yeah. All well, right. it's a proximity so, thing. Yeah. You're going to have to tell me about the ways of the Rust Belt Boyfriends. <laughs> or not. Well, Leover Peguero is going to be my Pittsburgh boyfriend. Second base, um, though he does play shortstop, so I'm hoping that that gives me a little bit of flexibility on that Yahoo fantasy thing that we do at the end of the season. Youngin at 22 years old, and I had to, had to pick this guy after the first article that I saw about him, and I thought that this is either putting me out of my dream job or giving me a new technique to try out because he learned English. And so for those of you who have not been following us uh, regularly, my dream job is to teach English to baseball players because I've been teaching English to not baseball players for the past, oh, too many years, many, many years. Um, So I think that would be a great career, you know, turn, especially in my retirement, which will hopefully be soon. So he learned English not by going to class. Matter of fact, he's never been to an English class. And if you listen to him, I listened to his interview, his accent, amazing. Really, really, like almost native level. Was it from watching Friends? It was from listening to 50 Cent. So he, he, when he was 10 years old. It seems like a narrow vocabulary. Right. So that's where, that's where like my brain went right away is like, what kind of vocabulary did that come? He got into U.S. rap music um, in, in the DR. So he's hanging out, 10 years old, starts listening to 50 Cent. Probably his parents didn't know the, what the words meant, so let him listen to it. He actually said, and, and I quote, I tried only to only remember the good words, not the expletives. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That was like for the MLB interview. Um, so he kind of just practiced. He, he wrote down the lyrics, he learned the vocabulary, and he kind of practiced on his own. And he said that he didn't realize that he could actually speak until he was, he was drafted by the D-backs. When he was in the D-backs organization, he was hanging out um, in their DR facility with Pavin Smith and started talking to him. And he said, oh, dang, I really got this. Look at me. Now I'm speaking it. So he does interviews in English. And his mic'd up is just unbelievably 
good accent. Does he have an interpreter like with him as backup? Because I, I see that sometimes. Like he does there, so. not need one. Wow. Like he speaks slang. I mean, he speaks rap uh-huh. kind of accent. You know, he he says dude a lot. He's he says like a lot. Like he really sounds like a native speaker. You can pick it up here and there. But he did an amazing job. So I'm thinking when I finally get my MLB teaching English job. I'm going to have to incorporate music into the situation, which I've been known to do before. Not rap, but, That's you know, I've got That's the reason you're taking drum lessons. Yes. <laughs> exactly. They're all going to learn ACDC. It's going to be great. So he <laughs> signed with the D-backs in 2017 and was traded to the Pirates in 2020 as part of the Starling Marte trade. And actually, you know, everybody gets thrown around a little bit when you get traded. It's that, you know, yay, but oh, kind of feeling and he said he was um, honored to be part of being traded for Starling Marta it was him and, and some other guy whose name I didn't write down but he definitely has again potty mouth boyfriend vibes he is the joker he likes dancing around I saw lots of quotations about his general demeanor calling him bubbly and a ball of energy which huh. I can kind of relate to. I have those bubbly ball of energy moments. What's you around. absolutely there do. You go. He has a super positive Instagram. He talks about playing being fun and needing to enjoy it. And he says when he's in that zone, when he's having fun, he plays better. And I love that. So he um, was brought up sort of unexpectedly in 2022 from double A. And it was because uh, Tucupita Marcano, who... I thought one of us had chosen him, but I I tried to look back and I guess not had gotten COVID suddenly. And he just happened to be um, and this sort of like this happens with the Nets, too. Right. The double A just happened to be closer to where they're playing than triple A. So he got brought over and it was at the end of practice and he just threw stuff in a bag and took off. He said, I didn't even shower. I just left. And it was just one game that year. But during that time, he spoke with my former boyfriend from from 22, Brian Hayes, you know, super excited about being there. And Hayes said, be patient. I'm going to be right here waiting for you. And he said that made me feel so happy. So knowing that he just got brought up for a minute, that was his only game in 22. He was cool with that. You know, like he's just going to soak it all in while he's up there. He also um, became the 100th Dominican debut with the Pirates on that day. And the Pirates have the most Dominican debuts in MLB. They don't have the most Dominican players, but just they happen to, to debut them. In 2023, he was up a little bit more, 59 games, again for Marcano, who tore his ACL. Yeah, he got his first home run off you, Darvish, and he was so excited about that, it being, you know, off of a high-caliber pitcher to get that first home run, and it also sailed right over the head of Juan Soto. So um, he also has played in the DR. He only one year debuted with Leadom in 22-23 season with the Gigantes de Cibao. And he his very first at bat, he got a home run. And he talks about how that was his dream completed. Like as a kid, he dreamed, dreamt about having a home run in your first turn for the Dominican you know, for the for the home team, and that it literally brought him to tears. He only played nine games that season, but it was with a 300 average and a 758 OPS. So my question is, is he going to play now? Because Liedam, as we know, and I'm going to talk about in a, in a little bit later, is about to go into the playoffs. 
And this is a time where they bring in reserves. So I was trying to figure it out. And I saw that in September, so before the lead-on season started, before any of the winter ball started, I didn't know this, MLB put out a list of players prohibited playing winter ball. And it's mostly pitchers, like a shit ton of pitchers, and that makes a lot of sense. But a lot of other guys, including Eli De La Cruz and Liover, and also Ronnie Mauricio. And then I went, wait a minute, just last week, I talked about not picking Mauricio for the Mets because I knew he got injured in lead-on. So apparently there's some sort of loophole where that prohibited list is only for the start of the season, but they can be brought in later, which is what happened to Mauricio, and then he got hurt. So I don't know if that's a really good example for how this should work, but maybe, maybe he can come in and help the Gigantes de Cibao, who are definitely in the, um, in the playoffs. He's not a lock on the second base thing. He has to earn it. He is a natural shortstop, but O'Neill Cruz is expected back for next year. There are other contenders for second base, but there's also talk about maybe training him for outfield. So I'm thinking opportunities for my, um, you know, for my fantasy sure. team if he can be a bunch of different plays but places at the same time. Anyway, Leo Verpeguero, I'm going to pick him for his, uh, for his English skills. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, for Pittsburgh, the land of the um, the pierogi race, mm. I'm going with a nice Polish boy. I'm going with Jack, Jack Sawinski, center fielder, 25. He's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. Cool. He grew up in Chicago. His sister played softball, and they both swam also in addition to, to playing ball. So his wow. parents have talked about, yep, you know, every day it was up at five and getting two kids out the door to two different, you know, sets of, you know, practices and trainings and all those things. And they said, you know, the kids are dedicated, so we're committed too which was nice. They're super supportive. Wow. One of his highlights from growing up was playing at Wrigley Field as a high schooler during the city championship. Oh so it's like, God. oh my God, Wrigley Field, this is amazing, right? So hold that thought for a few minutes later. You're going to see some parallels with my Kaufman story from earlier. Nice. He was drafted in the 15th round, wow, in 2015 out of high school by, by San Diego. He had committed to Indiana and often when people are, you know, get a ride, get a free ride, and they're committed, they're not going to accept getting taken in a round that low. You figure you go to college right. for a few years and then, but he's like, you know what? I'm ready. I want to go. I want to go. So he went. And it's it's been a long slog, right? This was 2015. In 2017, he was playing with the, the Tin Caps, right? The, the, the affiliate in Fort Wayne, which was great because this is a San Diego affiliate. Mm-hmm. But Fort Wayne, Indiana is not that far from Chicago where his yeah. family is. It's like a three-hour drive. So his family was able to come to a lot of his games. And his dad was retired by then. And he really gave a lot of perspective for this. You're starting at the very bottom of the minor leagues and you've got a long slog. He said, mm-hmm. I was a carpenter. So you serve an apprenticeship. You work your way up through the ranks. I worked my way up and became very successful. I think Jack is doing the same thing. He's an apprentice. Starting at the bottom, working his way up, it's a matter of earning your position. There's no entitlement. It's all earned. So there you go for your role models right there. The hard work, you do what you got to do, and you get what you earn, right? Mm -hmm. And then I also agree very much with his mom who said about the ability to go see him in the minor leagues because they're so close. There's nothing much more fun than watching your kid in any sport. You never get tired of watching your kid play. We're having the time of our lives watching Jack, and I agree with that 100%. Watching your kid play a sport is super great. Mm. So he did okay early on, but by 2019, he was in a slump. And then 2020, you know, everything stopped. 
but he used that pandemic year. He worked with the team nutritionist, so he got healthier nutrition-wise, fixed his diet, and then he was spent a lot of time working on speed and strength. So when he came back you know, to play the following season, all of his stats improved. Every one of them jumped exponentially. It was a lot. In 2021, he's part of the trade to Pittsburgh that sent Adam Frazier to San Diego. And the the scouting report on him at the time was he can run and he can hit, but he's missing power. Hold that thought, too. Okay. Because later on, that's very, very different. The 2022 season, he started at AA Altoona. That's when it curved. But almost immediately, April 26th, he got his call up because Brian Reynolds on the COVID list. I think you just told a very similar mm-hmm. story. So in um, in the ninth inning of, of his debut game, he did, he singled for his first hit. Then there's some, there's some power that starts happening. On May 19th, they're at Wrigley Field. And he hits a home run at Wrigley in front of his dad. Aww. And his dad claims that water you saw around his eyes. It's just sweat. I, wa- I wasn't crying. Aww. I wasn't crying. His dad said he dreamed about this one when he was a kid to play in your home field and hit a home run. What's better than that? Well, not better than that in that way, but better in different ways. He had a first walk-off home run in June versus Arizona. And it was the first Pittsburgh walk-off to break up a shutout in Pittsburgh history, Oof. right? So that you walk off after nothing, nothing, the whole game, right? Wow. But then it gets even better. On June 19th versus San Francisco, he has a three home run game, including a walk off. Three home runs? Three home runs, including a walk off. He is the first rookie in MLB history to do that, the the, the three home I runs. I can't believe I didn't know about this. With That's one of them, a walk off. He's the second Pittsburgh rookie to have a three home run game behind Andrew McCutcheon. It was Father's Day. His dad was there too. Uh, he said at the and and the eighth inning after he had hit two home runs, the manager Derek Shelton said, "Have you ever had a three home run game? Because this would be a good day for it." <laughs> and then he did. Uh, he ended the season tying uh, Michael Harris for the um, the National League number of um, home runs by a rookie in the National League wow. that season at nineteen. His sixteen home runs at home in Pittsburgh was a record by a rookie. And for Pittsburgh, and it was tied for the third most home runs hit at home in PNC Park history, hmm. uh, all of them. This year, this past season, in 2023, in May, he became the second player to hit two home runs in the same game into McCovey Cove at Oracle Park. The other guy, Barry Bonds. Wow. Who, of course, did it twice because <laughs> Barry Bonds. Yeah. He finished this past season with uh, 26 home runs, 74 RBI. He was in the 99th percentile for um, lowest chase rate. A chase rate is how, how much you swing at pitches out of the zone. He doesn't, right? The only two better are Mookie Betts and Juan Soto. Wow. At not swinging at pitches out of the zone, according to these numbers. Right? Wow. Both previous forever baseball boyfriends of mine, but neither <laughs> yeah, one is now. Um, he's also, for the past season, he was one of only 10 players who were the 80th percentile in both barrel rate which is a batting stat and sprint speed. And that means now you're going to tell me how much I like guys with, with power and speed. Sure. Right? Because both things are true. Top 10 within the top 10. That's in, crazy. In all of MLB. 
he and a friend own like a baseball softball training facility outside of Chicago. It's called RYP. I don't know what it stands for. But he and his friend rounded up a group of college and professional baseball players to visit and to visit this organization called Helping Hand, which is a nonprofit that works with children and adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Oh, wow. And they went on the occasion of an adult art class there. And they just hung out with all the folks in this in this art class with all the adults. They made holiday ornaments together. They talked sports. They just had a really good time. He's also supported this same nonprofit in other ways. Like he's for for like gala events. He's offered, you know, auctioned off hitting lessons, things like that. Because as you know, there is in fact some power to his swing, as I have just described. Um, the final reason that I selected him is a little bit of cross-training. His go-to karaoke song is Country Roads, <laughs> which is also TJ Oshie of the Capitals goal song. Wow, I can't believe I don't know anything about this guy. Well, thank you do you now. For, yeah, thank you for bringing him sure. to our attention. All right, who we got next week? Oh, hey, next week. Next week, who do we have? We have Detroit and the aforementioned San Francisco Giants. All right, fun stuff. And yeah. as always, we are willing to be set up. So if you have any picks on Detroit or San Francisco that you would like to pass on to us, please do so. You'll find out why, uh, why, no, how, that one at the end of this show. All right, I am. I drank a lot of beer. We didn't even talk about what we were drinking. I don't even remember the first beer that we were drinking. No, I don't I think either. It was, it was Black Flag something? Yeah, Black I, Wing, I think it was. Black wing because it was union. We we had drunk from Black Flag Brewery previously, but that one was from Union Brewing in Baltimore. And this we're back to bat, which is appropriate back for a baseball podcast. From what what brewery is that? I think that's Black Flag. That's Black that's Flag. Black there we go. Oh so it was God. Black Wing, then Black Flag. So I wasn't wrong, wrong. I just had the order wrong. No, no. All right. All right. So I think I am definitely primed to go into our police blotter segment. This is usually not my favorite thing. And this is, oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That was, it's a good thing that I have a wide glass because that worked out just fine. Sure did. So there's so many things you can do with the title here. It's Where's Wander? Like, Where's Waldo is kind of what it feels like. But where in the world is Wander? or mm-hmm. is he wandering like there's so many you know what's going on with Wander Franco and you brought up last week that he is still being paid not only paid but he's getting a bonus because he's a young guy who did well in MLB and he's on admin leave when you get paid when you're on admin leave yeah so the the other thing that we have talked about previously that he's being accused of having uh, inappropriate there's no other kind of relationship with a minor with two minors with probably three minors two of them have come forward and one of them is not but that's you know more than enough but there's no conclusion yet so there's a lot of investigation going on and we've been talking about how he's being doubly investigated one by the Dominican Republic the government of the Dominican Republic but also by MLB And there hasn't been a lot of updates on what's happening with the investigation. And this past week, a lot of stuff was flying around from different sources um, on social media. So I went to the Dominican newspapers, Listín Diario y Diario Libre, who have been uh, printing quite a bit about what's going on with Wander Franco. And it is weird shit. So he has not been subpoenaed. He's not been called into court. He's not been said he has to be interviewed or interrogated at this point. However, he was told to show up at the DA, and that's the best um, translation I can do for fiscal, at the DA's office on last Thursday. And he did not show up. Um, And so there's a lot of question about 
all right, he didn't show up, but is that the same as not showing up for court? Is there any kind of penalty? Like, is he on the lam or just didn't feel like going? Right. Yeah. So there, and there's a lot of like on the lam evidence. What I didn't realize at first blush is that his lawyers, at this point his previous lawyers, had actually requested for him to have a meeting at the DA's office because they wanted to know what was going on with the investigation. So on December 20th, his legal team made a request to have a meeting just for an update because nobody knows what's happening. So they gave him that meeting last Thursday to which he did not show up. And there are a variety of possible penalties for that, including jail time. The police and the government officials actually tried to physically find him. They went to his house and they went to his mom's house and he was not in either location and nobody in either location said that they knew where he was. So either his mom and his wife didn't know where he was or they weren't saying. The neighbors told the newspaper that the police left uh, their phone number asking for, you know, him, his wife and his mom to tell him to give us a call. We don't know where you are. And it's unclear as to whether he returned their call or not. But he is somewhere because he got new lawyers for the second time. So this team, he had a team of four lawyers who had requested that meeting. They are now out and he has a new lawyer. And his new lawyer has said that Wander will show up after New Year's festivities have concluded. So y'all, like... R- he didn't r- want his groove harsh. Right, right. He's got a party to go to somewhere, and he's not showing up until after locations. New Year's. Yeah. Yeah. Something Did like he that. fire his lawyers because he didn't want to go to the meeting? Said, Stop making me go to things. I don't Just fix know. it. It's really weird. And also, he's had to lawyer up in the United States because we have two things going on here, right? We have the MLB investigation. We also have what what's happening in the DR. His lawyer, at least according to the Dominican newspaper, the lawyer that he contracted in the U.S. is the same guy who defended Felipe Vasquez. And I was like, huh, that rings a bell. And I looked back in our records. And we talked about Felipe Vasquez way back in episode 101. And it was one of our creepier things. Like, go back to it if you want the details. But he um, is now serving four years for basically statutory rape, I believe. Like, he definitely you know, was caught with a minor. And uh, and he was the pirate's, pirate's closer at that point. So it gets even weirder. No. So the, the director of the agency, the Office of Children and Adolescents, um, who was part of like the trying to hunt down uh, Wander, where, where's Wander? Her husband is the general manager of the Tigres de Lycée, which is the championship team of Lidam in the Dominican Republic. And they he apparently is the first one who leaked the photos of Wander and the minor. So it just is weird stuff going on. Wander actually played, didn't play for Lise, clearly, played for the Gigantes de Cibao in 2019. That was his only year in Lidam. This past year, and we mentioned this as well, my team, and this is so embarrassing, Leonis de Escogido basically said, you can come play with us. We don't care that you just accused of, you know, inappropriate relations with, with a minor or two. And luckily, I think the government, you know, put a, put a stop on that. So the, the bottom line is the investigation is still ongoing. Who knows by the time you hear this if Wander has shown up for any sort of hearing or not. You know that we will be 
sharing any information that we can find with you next week. He has not been interrogated. He's still getting paid. Also, just a little reminder, he's 22 years old. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. So he is young. And the the, the, uh, headline of one of the articles of Diario Libre was... Somebody's got to sit down with Wander and explain this to him. Like, like have a heart to heart with him, and so that he understands what's actually going on. Because that is not clear, especially with changing teams of lawyers two times, and you know, being on the lamb. Who knows? But it's something's bad's going to happen. Yeah. So many bad things have already happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's just a spiral. It is right. just a spiral. Well, we have two more items under police blotter. None are as crazy as. That, however, um, unless you're Frank Thomas, the other Frank Thomas, Fox News, our our friends at Fox News, listed <laughs> news, right? Not sports. News, right? Okay. Sports is better, right? Fox News listed the big hurt, Frank Thomas, in its in memoriam last Friday oh, no. morning, and they showed part of his Hall of Fame speech. They showed him hitting a home run. Well, he's not dead. Okay, good. <laughs> Oh, my God. He's not dead. There's another Frank Thomas, the three-time All-Star with Pittsburgh. He died in January. Other Frank Thomas from years before. But they showed video and images of the Big Hurt, the live and well Frank Thomas, who works for Fox Sports. (laughs) The same freaking parent company, right? Oh my God. So the not dead first ballot Hall of Famer Frank Thomas um, was a broadcaster and analyst into this past year with Fox Sports. He got recently he was replaced by Derek Jeter, but still his employer, like the parent company of his employer, said he died while he was still at work, right? <laughs> and so Fox News says, "quote." We misidentified the late Frank Thomas, the three-time All-Star for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Frank Thomas we showed you, unfortunately, was also a former pro baseball player. He's very much alive. We apologize (laughs) for that mistake. Okay, weak, weak. So the Big Hurt posts to Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very sorry. My ex-employer, Fox, would be this irresponsible on national TV this morning. Yes, I'm alive and doing well. This blows my mind also. (laughs) And a picture of him live and well and smiling and looking healthy as all get out. So um, nice to know that the big hurt is is still with us, and that was just a crazy, uncomfortable, bad, bad sure. thing. Hey, the luxury tax—it's not just a monopoly square. It's formally known as the competitive balance tax, and it's the penalty issued by MLB to its teams um, when they have payrolls over a certain level and the penalties change for how far you are over the payroll limit, and also they increase for repeat offenders, hmm. right? This year, it was historic in two ways. The first way is there were eight teams that exceeded the limit and were and were hit with luxury taxes, with, with competitive balance taxes. That's never been eight teams before. And the Mets amount is absolutely historic. Which is so sad. The, the Angels... <laughs> they also suck. The Angels oh, I'm were sorry, almost... The Angels were almost on this list, but remember how we talked about them sending their guys, yeah. a lot of them to Atlanta, who then just spun them around? Mm-hmm. That was them dumping salary to get them under that limit. So Smart. they were on there. So the, the limits are... 233 million, 253 million, 273 and 293 million. So the the amount you're penalized varies. If it, if it's okay. over 233, you're going to get hit with some tax penalty. It increases the farther up you go. Now, the the union, the 
the the MLBPA doesn't like these competitive balance taxes because it puts a it puts a ceiling on how much you can pay yeah. players, right? Huh. So the current CBA, which goes through twenty twenty six, increases the level each year. And they're going to hit the the lowest level is now two thirty three is going to be two forty four in twenty twenty six. All right, it's going to keep going up every year for the next couple okay. of years. So it's going to raise that. So it's in favor of the players a little bit more, right? So Toronto and Atlanta and Texas are on this list for the first time. They are the bottom three on this list. They're going to wow. hit with twenty um, percent tax on the overages. So that those those taxes range from one point eight million dollars to five point five million dollars, which almost isn't anything at all when you're talking baseball salary dollars, okay. right? And for Texas, that was worth it. The second, yeah, the well, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Yeah. So keep in mind, as I'm telling you these team names, who actually made the playoffs and right. who did not? Toronto. So the second highest on the list, San Diego. It's a $38.7 million. Man. So but, it's like the San Diego and the Mets of it. That's the th- Those were the two most disappointing teams last year, I would say. So the Mets, so San Diego's at $38.7 million. The Mets are at $100.8 oh, million dollars over the limit. And when you're over that top level, that 293 level, you are, you're charged another 60 cents on the dollar for every dollar between that highest level, the, the, the 293, and whatever your payroll is. Their payroll was $374 million. That's a lot of 60 cents. The previous record was the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2015 who paid $48 million. It's more than double the previously held record, which has been in place Man. since 2015. The la- the total paid to MLB in taxes for everybody who owed them last year was $75.8 million, way less than the Mets alone are paying this year. So that goes to MLB? Glad you asked that question. <laughs> Where does the money go? Right. Like, what does that so mean? So it's $210 million okay. between these eight teams. Mostly half of that is the Mets, Right. Half yeah. of whatever that tax is helps to fund player benefits and individual player retirement accounts. And the other half gets distributed to eligible revenue sharing teams. So it doesn't stay at, you know, the home okay. office. That's good. Right? It goes, half of it goes to players eventually in some form, and half of it goes to revenue sharing teams, which are the teams on the lower end of the economic okay. ladder there. But yeah, it's all it's all crazy pants because it's all funny money. Yeah. And Stephen Cohen's not even blinking. And um, yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, and all that got him where? <laughs> That's just yeah. like, holy shit, both him and like the Xander Bogarts thing with the Padres. Sorry, Padres and Mets fans, you deserve better than that. All right, just super, super quick. I'm going to do a rundown of winter baseball that is happening right now, and it is heating up. January is playoff month because we are about barreling toward the Serie del Caribe, which is going to be happening in Miami the first week of February. And a whole bunch of my former boyfriends are involved in the winter ball. Jose Siri is the hero of the DR right now, just lighting it up with Gigantes de Cibao. He just got his 15th postseason home run. They're already in the, the round robin stage. And he passed 
Nelson Cruz Whoa. for all-time postseason home run leader for the Gigantes de Cibao. Wow. If you put your name above Nelson Cruz, that's just crazy shit. So Jose Siri, Mr. Lightning Bolt, is lighting it up. In the Demi- – uh, no, no, in other country. Well, not country. Oh, shit. You know, we're talking about Puerto Rico, which is just – we've. it's a state that is just – it's not a state. It's a place that we talk about a lot. That is not quite a country, but, you know, according to baseball, sometimes it is. The Liga Profesional de Roberto Clemente, and actually take a moment in respect for Roberto Clemente. It's the anniversary of his death today of um, the end of the year, delivering the supplies to to Nicaragua. Hugely tragic, Mr. 3,000 hits. So the league in Puerto Rico is aptly named after him. And my former A's boyfriend pick from 2022, who nobody else heard too much about, Vimeal Machin. He was traded from the A's to the Phillies, released by the Phillies last June, went to play in Mexico, almost played in the DR. But now he's back in Puerto Rico, absolutely lighting it up. He is number three in average and in OPS and number one. One in hits right now, and he put the uh, Criollos de Caguas in the playoffs, and I believe that they made it in first with a go-ahead RBI in the 10th inning against Roberto Alomar's RA-12 in the first game of a doubleheader at the very end of the season. Game two of that, and actually it wasn't a real doubleheader because that was a continued game that had been rained out in the ninth inning, tied, crazy. So when we talk about go ahead in the tenth, it was really like the second of the new new game. But in game two of that, both teams wore jerseys in support of the Autism Alliance of Puerto Rico. So it's really nice to see leagues and other places also doing those days in support of different um, causes. Uh, so the others, other teams in the round robin at this point are the Cangrejeros de Santurce, the Gigantes and the Leones, and Javier Baez, which I think he was mine. I think I picked. No, mine, it was yours? Mine, my, my Cubs. Whoops. All right. Past baseball boyfriend of Patty for the Cubs, uh, El Mago. That's right, because of the sexy defense. He threw out the first pitch for the Cangrejeros Gigantes game that determined the first place per, uh, seed for the for the round robin. And they're going to be starting playoffs in January, the 2nd. So when this podcast drops, yeah. Uh, Just really quick, Venezuela, I don't have an update on the teams, but that I have to take the Fantasy League more seriously next season because the winners, it's totally free to play Fantasy LVPP. The winners of both the daily and the weekly format got VIP tickets to a game, including a visit in the dugout, watching batting practice, and getting to take batting practice after the team. Now, granted, if I were to win, there would be some, like, flight and Low, low price of hotels and (laughs) travel. Yeah, sure. So there's a little bit of a downside there. But that's pretty cool for a free fantasy thing to do online. So if you want to do that, check out Venezuelan Baseball. Very cool. Hey, we've got a party to get to, and hey. it's super far away. It's like the next room. Right over there. It's, it's the next room, but yeah. I'm looking forward to that. We hope you all are having had, by the time you hear this. Yeah, happy l- new year. Uh, yeah, a, a lovely celebration to welcome in the new year, however you like to do that best. We hope you find us online and tell us about your Detroit and San Francisco picks for us. And as always, the corrections department is available that way. And also, we're happy to have Happy New Year wishes from you if you want to say a hey. 
Polymath, how can people find us? Yeah, chat with us. And I just realized I am behind in answering like two people, but I'm going to do that really soon. You can find us on Twitter X thing at NCBI, NCIB podcast. I got those letters right. right. Got it. Man, and we haven't even started parting yet. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are No Crying and B Ball. And please join us on Patreon. That's P A T R E O N dot com slash no crying and b-ball and we're trying to put some fun stuff up there it's a good thing i said that because we're going to record a few minutes now especially for our patreon friends and i did a little interview with my dad last week that was a lot of fun so we're trying to put up some perks on patreon a buck a month folks you can't even get coffee for that and you can have access to our fun on patreon so please check that out for sure please get your booster shot Fight the man. It's the right thing to do. If you're still holding on to those game balls, send them to Meredith. And until next week, well into the new year, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. I didn't use it on baseball trivia, baseball frenzy. I used it actually. I used it on a Hobbit Monopoly. Oh, Hobbit Monopoly. Yeah. You have Hobbit. What's the? Um, I don't even remember. It's been years since we cracked that open. I was gonna say like what the um, properties are. I mean, I know there's yeah. like the Shire. That's as that's as far as my Hobbit knowledge goes. Mordor from Led Zeppelin. All right, wait. My thing. <laughs> that's. <laughs> <laughs>